Hey, this is Mike Brake, and I'm the pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. I want to say thank you for stopping by our podcast today. We really do believe that you're only one step away from the relationship with God that you've been wanting. So I hope the message today gives you encouragement, gives you some vision so that you can take that next step towards freedom. Enjoy the message. Today we're going to be talking about doubts, questions that we have. And the questions that we have uh, come early in life. Kids. They ask questions, and as a dad myself of a three-year-old and a six-year-old, I'm learning very quickly. They, 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 they wonder, and they ask questions, and we're driving in the car the other day, and they, they, they said, Dad, what, what's the name of, of that city that Jesus lives in? And typically, I'm, I'm kind of, any of those questions, my natural reaction is like, oh, I, I don't Talk to your mom about those questions. I don't know. I want to kind of pass it off. But it doesn't work in my house because they're like, aren't you the pastor? Like, aren't you supposed to know the answer to these things? I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so I was like, oh, I know that one. I, I can. Dad's got that one covered. Jesus lives in the town called Heaven. And, and so that's the city that he lives in. Okay, okay, okay. Dad, yeah. How long does it take to drive to Heaven? I'm like, hmm, it's a little bit more difficult. Like, you're, you're really only two questions away from being like the dumbest person on a planet with kids. I mean, they'll ask you a question, you answer it, you're like, I got that. And then they're like, why? And then you're like, ah, I can't answer that one. I don't know. So I'm thinking, okay, 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 okay. Um, you can't drive to heaven. Um, and then I'm like, oh, how do you explain it? Well, it's a place you go. Um, you can't drive there. When you die, you can go there. Well, how do, you, how do you get to heaven was the next question. I'm like, okay, that's a good question. That's actually a really good question. Again, trying to think in the simplest terms that I can, that I can uh, share this with my son. I said, you know what, Here, here's, here's what the Bible says. It, just, it says, hey, you know, it, Jesus lived and we, we believe that Jesus is God. And that we believe that Jesus died on the cross. When he died on the cross, that was our opportunity to be made right with God. And, and, and then you also believe that he didn't stay dead. Like that Jesus is alive again. They killed him, but he's alive again. If you believe that Jesus is God and that, that that's how you be made right with him, when you die, you get to go to Jesus' city, heaven, and, and be with him. And uh, the response was, well, I want to die right now. <laughs> Did I explain that right? I don't, I don't know if this is quite what we want. Um, and, you know, just still to explain that to a five-year-old or a six-year-old and trying to go through it, trying to keep it simple. Kids have questions, but I know this as adults, the questions don't stop. The mysteries of God, the mysteries of Jesus, the questions that we have, they don't stop. They keep coming. This past week on social media, I just put it out there to try to get a little bit of help from the sermon. I, I posed the question to social media. said, hey, what is your biggest obstacle or doubt when it comes to God? When it comes to faith, what, what, are you, what do you struggle with? What are your questions? What are your doubts? And people responded. And, and here's just some of the things. People left it anonymous, but some real struggles that people had. Someone said, I doubt God. Because he's so intangible and invisible. I mean, it would be so nice if we could just see him, feel him, touch him, and he's right here. But he's so seemingly so far off. Someone said, was Jesus really the son of God or was he just some crazy dude where people were just stupid and desperate enough to fall for his antics? 
They struggle with these questions. Someone else said, I become doubtful when he takes so long to help me change negative situations in my life, sometimes years. And it makes me start to wonder if he really even cares. I think a lot of our doubts, a lot of our struggles, we can, it can kind of be summed up in that. Can I trust you, God? Does God really care about people? Because sometimes it doesn't even seem like he cares at all. Someone else said, I sometimes have doubts about Jesus during the darker times in my life. And finally, someone said, uh, I struggle with doubt every day in myself as a husband, as a father, as a Christian. These questions um, are, are big questions. And they can cause us not only to question God, but you can see in that last statement, they start to come back and, and make us doubt ourselves, our identity, who we are in our lives. And what I want to give you permission today is it's okay to have questions. We can take a collective sigh of relief and say, oh, I have some doubts. And you might not have ever heard a pastor say that before, but I really do believe that, that it is okay to have questions it is okay to have doubts. It is okay to lean into these things. Big questions. God, are you real? Big questions. God, is, is the, are the stories in the Bible true? Can I really trust those things? Um, questions that we ask, if God is good, then why did he create cats? Like, I, I can't quite fathom that. Is, you know, is, it, is the song, is that song uh, Old Town Road, is it, is it rap song or is that he's, he's walking on the Old Town Road with his horse or is it a country song? Like it doesn't fit in a box. Some of you guys are like, what is he even talking about? Google it, Old Town Road. It's the worst song you've ever heard in your life. It doesn't fit in a box. They can't categorize this thing and neither does God. You can't put God, who is beyond space, who is beyond time, into a box and that mystery that starts at such a young age. Who is this guy? Who is this God? I can't comprehend. Where does he live? How do you get there? I don't know. We ask those questions and it's okay. For me, a lot of times when these questions arise, I have to start with the source. Uh, when you go to talking about God... One of the classic arguments for, in Christianity, and it's a really good one, of how do we even know that God exists? You have to go to the source. I have here with me a flashlight. Turn it on. You can see it, and it's, it's working. But nobody in here would, uh, with, with, would look at this and say, wow, this thing was put together. It's got some batteries inside of it. There's some wiring. There's a light bulb. There's some wording on it that has some, some information about this particular inf instrument. There's some numbers on here that you can't see, but it identifies it. And when I press this button, the light comes on. And when I press it again, it comes off. Like you're like, duh, this is a flashlight. That's how it works. But this thing called a flashlight that we would look at that has, I mean, we know how to work this thing. No one would look at it and say, well, it just randomly came together. Like it just somehow, some way, it has all of this order, had all of these letters like perfectly in line where we could, where we can read it and you know exactly how, you know, it works. And, and we would say, 
well, it just, it just appeared. No, this is a creation. And each little part is a creation. And all of us would know if something is creation or created, then there was somebody who created this thing. Someone behind the scenes put this thing together, engineered it, designed it so it works perfectly. And we, if I told you today, oh, it just randomly happened. I don't know how. It just came. You would be like, Mike, you're an idiot. You know, somebody created this thing, put it all together. That's a classic argument for, uh, for God. Now, that doesn't even get you to Christianity. But we would look at everything within this universe and say, hey, we are created things. This is all created. This is all nature. There's something super nature, something supernatural beyond that created this thing. Another argument would, would kind of go like this. And this is where we struggle with doubt sometimes. Now, I turn on the light and you can see that it works. And then if I put my hand over here, I can block the light. I see a shadow. I see the shadow of my hand going on the floor. In many ways, the shadow that I see proves what? That there's light. And for many of us, as we walk around on earth, we see the shadows of life. We see the darkness of life. We see the evil. And we, see, we, we have trouble with that. Why is there darkness in my life? And, and, or why is this happening? I don't understand. That's so dark and so evil. And it doesn't make sense. And it can cause us to question God. It can cause us to question the source and say, does he even exist? And I want to tell you today, the, the shadow proves the light. Your cries of desperation over evil, over darkness, over the shadows of life are actually cries to the existence of a creator. The fact that we can point out and say, that's not right. I've never met a single person, atheist, Christian, agnostic. I've never met a single person on this planet that says, this world's perfect. I mean, it's just absolutely perfect. Everything's right and grand and glorious. No, everybody points to something. Potholes in Los Alamos, plastic bags, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, you can get more serious stuff. I'm joking around, but no one says this world's perfect. They, it all points to the fact that there is a creator who is good. Who is good. And every, every Christian, every great leader, every uh, person that you see in Scripture, they've all wrestled with this. You are not alone if you have doubts. In fact, I would say almost every story that you see in Scripture comes down to this word trust. It's, it's, it, people are, are put into a situation, into a pressure-packed situation. Say, do I trust this God? Is, it, is this real? Or do I need to go? Is it true? Is it worth it? Or do I need to go another direction? And you see that play out time and time again. And so if you're there today, I don't want to shame you. I want to say lean in. Because doubts, the fear is that doubts can take you out. That, that doubts will lead you to walk away. But I, I, want to, I want to kind of flip that today and say your doubts can actually lead to discovery. 
if you would lean into them and, and research them and keep seeking, they can lead to discovery, discovery and actually deeper faith. Uh, the scripture for today is out of Luke chapter 24. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up. It's also on the Bible app on your phone or iPad, as well as it will be on the screen. After the, the resurrection, that day, that day, that morning, we celebrated Easter last week. Jesus rose from the dead. And that night, his disciples are together and they're, they're behind locked doors. The, there had been some rumors from some people that had come to the disciples and started spreading, hey, we saw Jesus. Some people had actually seen Jesus that morning. They saw him during the day. There was two men who were leaving Jerusalem and they actually met, uh, they met Jesus on the, on, the, on the road out of town. And then they came running back into town to tell other people, we saw Jesus. And it's in this scene when they're telling Jesus in Luke chapter, or they're telling the disciples, we saw Jesus in Luke chapter 24, then it says in verse 36, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. And he said, peace be with you. But the whole group was startled and frightened. Like if, if you saw um, Uncle Billy Bob dead three days ago, and, and, then you, and then you were all together with the family, and then all of a sudden Uncle Billy Bob showed up, you would be peeing your pants, okay? You would be freaking, we would all be freaking out. I don't care who, who it is. Um, they were startled and frightened, thinking they had seen a ghost. And then Jesus says, why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with, say this next word with me, doubts? Look at my hands. Look at my feet, because they had seen what he had went through on Friday. You can see it's really me. Touch and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies. Now, personally, for me, I wish he could have just left that part out. He could have just said, you know what? You can see I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't exist. Uh, that would be nice. Uh, read this one to your kids before bedtime. <laughs> he says, Ghosts don't have uh, bodies, as you see that I, that I do. Sorry, I like to find humor in Scripture, so I will point out what goes in my head sometimes. As, um, anyway, um, as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet, and they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. You can see the mystery even in the midst of seeing the resurrected Jesus. The journey of faith starts with doubts. And the fear in the church world is that doubt will take you out. I used to be a youth pastor for 10 years in Los Alamos. And after spending time with our teenagers, um, after a few years, and we created a space where they could ask questions. Hey, no questions off limits. You're struggling. You got ask. Let's talk. Let's deal. After a few years, they started to get the sense that, hey, this you can be you. It's OK not to be OK. It's OK to ask questions. Well, we started really wrestling with, with teenagers who were just saying, I, I don't know if I believe in God. I don't know if he's really there. Asking a lot of these same questions that, that you and I have. And I'm, as a youth pastor, I'm like, wait a minute. What are we producing here? Like, I'm talking about Jesus. We're doing this thing. And it seems like we're producing a bunch of atheists. And, and the fear was, no, no, no. You can't ask those questions. No, you can't talk about this stuff. Stuff it. Ignore it. Do something else with it. And then I learned. They are very close to owning this thing. 
if they lean into it and they ask the questions and they're serious about this thing, this thing's going to go from, oh, I believe this because mom and dad believed it. Oh, I believe this because I just grew up in church. No, the whole thing is I'm going to take ownership of this thing. Ask the questions, lean in, because on the other side might be discovery. And for, for the, they're going to they're be the ones that change the world. They're going to be the ones that own it and say, this is between me and God. And there's nothing that's going to stop me if they lean in and figure it instead of walking away. So I, I started to back off. The church fear is, no, don't talk about these things. We can't talk. Hush, 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 hush. No, lean in. There's three things I want to talk about um, in, in dealing with this. And the first one is peace. They were frightened when they saw him. And the first words that Jesus spoke to them was peace. I think a lot of in our doubts that we have, if you were to look at the source of your doubts, you might find fear right underneath there. Some of your fear, some of your doubts have fear underneath of it. You, you might be afraid of, if I lean into this doubt, if I get answers here, I'm afraid I might be wrong. Like my whole life, I've put up a tough front about how, I, you know, I'm not sure if you can believe in this God thing. I'm not sure about some of these things. And I put up, a, but if I really leaned into it and I start to, to, to discover things, I might have been wrong about this whole thing. And we hate to admit we're wrong. We're kind of might have a fear. We might have to change you might, you might be afraid of change. If, if I discover something here, it might actually cause me to change how I live. And it's easier to put up the front and just say, well, I don't know if you can really uh, believe these things. I don't know if some of these things are true. I don't know. It's easier. But if you discover it, I actually lead to change. And sometimes we're afraid of change. Some of us, we might be afraid of failure. If I start really living my life for Jesus, I don't know if I have what it takes. I mean, if I really step out in faith, I'm not sure about all it, but I'm going to take this step of faith. I might fail. I might get rejected. And there's fear behind our doubts. And it's easier to just wear the mask of doubt and stay stuck in doubt. And that's where Satan wants you. You know, that's one of the things that Satan will use to keep you separated from God is doubt. The very first time we get to meet Satan in the, gar in the Garden of, of, of Eden with Adam and Eve. And he says, hey, don't eat the fruit of that tree. And then the serpent comes in and says, did God really say don't eat? Did he really say don't eat of that tree? Let's just get you a little bit of doubt, a little bit of separation between you and God. Because I don't need like wide separation. I just need like one degree of separation. Any little bit of degree of separation that I can get you headed on this path, perfect. And that's how Satan works. He's not going to tempt you with something that looks like 180. No, he just wants you a little bit off. I'll plant that seed of doubt. Next week, we'll talk about division in isolation and loneliness, because he loves to do that too. Because after they sinned, what did they do? They went straight into hiding, and they isolated themselves. Satan is scared to death that you'll figure out who God is. He is scared to death that you'll start to know this God in a personal relationship, because then you won't walk out of here in chains. You'll walk out free. 
You'll walk out in purpose and you'll walk out knowing who you are in living on purpose. Jesus restored their identity by saying, hey, peace, you guys are living in fear. You're behind locked doors. You're afraid to move forward. You're afraid to to kind of go out. You've heard the rumors, but you're afraid. Peace. Peace. Even in your fear, he speaks peace. In John 20, capturing the same scene, John writes it like this. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. He gives them purpose. When you start to rest in who God is and you find peace in who he is, okay, then you start seeing his purpose, that restoration of peace. He's like, guys, peace, it's okay. you got a mission, don't forget. you got a mission. And it's anything but comfortable. It's anything that's but uh, um, peaceful. But I got this mission for you. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. He prayed the prayer in John 17. Just as he, he, if you read in John 17, Jesus prays this big, long prayer, and he prays for the disciples, and he even prays for us. But he says, just as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Think about these disciples for a minute. They'd be like, wait, 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 but, 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 but. Jesus, you just said, peace be with you, and, and, and I'm sending you out. Wait a minute. Think about Friday, Jesus. Don't you remember? All right, today's Sunday. There was Saturday, but then do you remember what happened on Friday? Like a lot of us, we sat there with you and said, we're never going to leave you. Like we're never going to desert you. You said you're going to die. We said, no, no way. We're not going to leave you. And then what happened? Jesus gets arrested and they're all like, Boop. <laughs> they're gone. In fact, um, in the book of Mark, um, we, we actually think it was Mark, the author. He doesn't name himself, but if you read it, it's pretty funny. Um, it says one of the guys, the, the guards were trying to reach for this guy as he was running away. Um, one of Jesus' guys, they reached for him and they grabbed his cloak. They grabbed his garment, whatever it was. And the dude was hightailing it out of there. Just, he, the, 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 the garment ripped and he was butt naked and he just, he just bolted out of there without a stitch of clothing on. He was so scared. Think about Peter. Jesus' best friend, I'll never deny you, Jesus, I'm with you all the way. And they all said, yeah, we're in, we're in, we're in. And then what happens that night? Oh, hey, aren't you one of the guys that was with Jesus? Aren't you one? Ah, no way, don't know who that guy is. Three times he denied him. Three times. And this is Jesus coming to these guys, restoring their identity, saying, peace. After they failed him, after they denied him, after one of them betrayed him and then hung himself. I mean, if it were me, I'd be a little bit scared. One, their life's on the line. Hey, they just killed this Jesus guy. They ain't happy with us. Oh, Jesus is alive. I've kind of heard these rumors. That's awesome. But wait a minute. I just, the last time I met him, I totally betrayed him. And I saw how Jesus that earlier that week treated the Pharisees. And he called them out for all being hypocrites. He was not happy with those guys. Oh, man, we are in big trouble. Peace. It's okay, guys. I got a mission for you. He restores their identity. Peace. We're good. We're good. Don't doubt that at all. And I got a purpose for you. Go, go, go. But me, God, 
Can you really use me? I mean, I failed big time. That's the question that we ask. Can God really use me? Go. Yes, if you have breath in your lungs, go and share. He brings them purpose. He brings them peace. And now it's decision time. We like to say it in in some of our relationships, a come to Jesus moment. Only this is a a Jesus came to them moment. Have you ever had a, a tense moment in a, in a relationship, a come to Jesus moment? I've, I've had those. I was the one in middle school and high school, like the girls always broke up with me. I'm like, oh, yeah, things are going good. And then you'd get the little note or they'd be like, we have a conversation. Yeah. And like, ah, oh, we're done. And it's like, ah, come to Jesus moment. I, re- I remember Rita and I, we were, had been dating for a while. We had a come to Jesus moment. We were sitting on the front porch of our stairs and it was uh, 2004, and we're sitting there, and it was, kinda, it was just one of those, hey, are we in this thing together? Because if, if not, we need to go our, our separate, separate ways, and I liked it, so I put a ring on it. So it was, it was a come-to-Jesus moment. A week later, we were engaged, and three months later, we got married. So um, we can have some of these come-to-Jesus moments. We've got to make a decision. Is it true? Is it worth it? Can I trust it? And I would say in the moment, it was absolutely true that Jesus was alive. They could look, they could see, they could touch. But I would argue they still had to have faith. They still had to have faith. Hey, okay, wait a minute. He just just rose from the grave. We've never seen that. Blowing our mind. We're afraid. But this is now the path to salvation. We have to trust that this is the path. Everything he said was leading to this. The cross the grave, the resurrection, and now everything he said and did in life now has meaning. And they still had to faith that, have faith in that and live their life and go and proclaim that message and believe it. They had to make a decision. Just like you and I have to make a decision. Are we going to have faith in the midst of our doubts? Are we going to have faith even if there's still a mystery and a wonder about God. Just because we don't know everything about God doesn't mean we can't know something about God. And they went and worked off of that. And that's the third thing is passion. Passion. These guys had an had a identity. They had a purpose. And then they went and lived it out. One of the disciples wasn't there. His name was the doubting Thomas. We're going to talk about him next week. Because he missed out on a full week of having joy and peace. And he had another week where he had to live in worry and anxiety and in his doubt. He was not there. But when he came, when they saw him later that week, it says one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, we've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. There... Their belief, Christianity, is not, it is based on evidence, has always been and always will be based on evidence. They say, oh, well, we have faith that he rose. No, we saw it. For us, we can't can't see that, right? We we have to go on the word of the disciples. But their passion their belief, they live with them. They saw him die. They saw him rose from the dead. They have no earthly reason to carry this thing on. Think about these disciples. 
These men had no reason whatsoever to continue this thing on if it was not true. Why would they go and share a message about some guy being alive if he was really dead? Because they knew what was on the line. Their heads. Many of them were going to be just completely martyred. They were going to be destroyed. They knew they were throwing their entire life away behind this. But if it's true, then it changes everything. If it's true, then we're no longer can settle for just playing church. I can no longer settle for a convenient Christianity. If it's true, if, if it's not true, this is nothing. We wouldn't even be here. These disciples, this is one of the things that you got to know about uh, why can I believe Christianity? We have eyewitness accounts. It's some of the most accurate and, and documented historical documents that we have. And these guys are writing it, not some, oh, in some fairy tale or some galaxy far, far away. No, they're trying to say, this is what happened. You've got to know what he said. You've got to know what he did. Because this is the path to salvation. This is it. Thomas, we saw it. I don't know. I'm going to see it for myself. No, Thomas, we saw him. Nah, I'm going to have to touch it. I'm going to have to see it. I don't know if I can believe. It didn't rob them from knowing the truth. It didn't rob them from their joy and their peace and going on and continuing the mission. And it continues on today. It's been passed down to us from generation to generation to generation. Not just this conditional belief or some uh, easy belief, but a passionate belief that was nothing was going to stop them. Scripture says this in James 2.19, You say you have faith, for you believe there's one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Just giving a, 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 a historical, uh, intelligent, uh, knowledgeable assent. Okay, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he was a man of history. I believe he was a good guy. Sorry. No, this is the type of belief that changes your heart, that transforms your life and says, I'm not going to settle for playing church anymore. I'm not going to settle for a convenient Christianity. I'm going to live this thing out because he's alive. Death couldn't hold him. Sin is, the, this, the, the curse of sin is broken. And now there is a pathway to heaven that you and I could not earn. And because of that, there's nothing in our lives that is worth more than selling our lives out to Jesus and Jesus alone. And these guys went and they lived it out and they changed the world. Scripture says there's maybe a hundred of them that got together. And, and there's, there's less than a hundred of us here, but pretty darn close. They changed the world. Not because they had faith in faith, but because they saw the resurrection and that changed everything. And for you and I, that's the game changer. On Easter, we say something like this. The pastor usually says, he is risen. And, and the audience would say, he is Risen in, indeed, all right? If you saw Jesus walk through those doors, if he, if he came through here, all right, we're like, he's risen. And, and Jesus, he wouldn't respond saying, I have risen indeed. 
he would say, are you? Because that's why I died. That's why I came to earth on this pale blue dot to live a life so I could have a relationship with you. He is risen. Jesus would say, are you? Are you? Do you have life with him? Are you just playing games? Or have you really, truly put your faith and trust in him? He ain't in the tomb. He ain't in there. Stone rolled away. He's gone. You ain't gonna fight him. He's in that city called heaven. And the path to salvation, the way to get there is say, I'm gonna put my trust in you fully. You're gonna be the boss of my life. I'm gonna be passionately living for you. And I'm gonna go on mission and tell other people about it as best I can. That's what he wants. He's risen, are you? Let's stand. Thank you again for listening to the podcast at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. A few next steps that you can take coming out of this. One is head to our website and let us know just exactly how we can help you take your next step. Also, if we have had a positive impact in your life or in your family and you want to partner with us financially, you can go to our website and click give. That will get the message out so we can impact more people through this ministry. And finally, click the subscribe button. That way you know you get the latest content from the podcast as well as rate it, review it. That will help get the message out to others. Hope you have a a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening.